Let's read the scripture that we have for this morning out of the, out of the book of Galatians. It was written by Paul to the church in Galatia. That's in Asia Minor in, in today, Turkey. And we believe that this was a very early letter written by Paul because he is actually in the first couple chapters addressing an issue that has come into the church of Galatia and is spreading throughout the entire known church very early on. And, and the issue was that some preachers like the Apostle Peter was preaching that in order for you to be in Christ, you needed to first become a Jew and then become a Christian. In those days, it was labeled very uh, blatantly. It was a matter of being circumcised or uncircumcised. And now the, the Judaizer Christians or the Christians that had a very, very deep root in the Jewish religion and were still more Jewish than Christians were emphasizing that you had to be circ for, for a Gentile, meaning an ethnos, anybody who was not a Jew, that you had to follow the rules of Judaism before you start in Christianity. Paul addresses that kind of thinking and he calls it a different gospel. And he goes further into calling whoever teaches you that you have to obey rules and regulations before you can be in Christ is anathema. The pure halls of hell that some would preach. And guess who he was addressing to? Who he was talking about? His brother Peter. Because Peter was spreading that message. Took a while until Peter figured it out what Paul was, was teaching, that it was grace and grace alone that brings us into the gospel or into the kingdom of God. Let's read the section. As Paul is finishing the book of Galatians, so he's finished his argument, he's called everybody names, you know, <laughs> and he's kind of fixed it up and told us that it is by grace, and, and, and then he goes with this, as for me. Now he's bringing it home. As for me, this is what Paul believes. May I never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Keep in mind what he's arguing. I'm not going to boast in following the rule. I'm not going to boast in heritage. I'm not going to boast in lineage. I'm not going to boast in any of that, but simply in the cross of Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, because of that cross, my interest in this world has been crucified. And the world's interest in me has also died. It doesn't matter whether we, are, whether we have been circumcised or not. This is it. Listen to this. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. May God, may God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. The word of the Lord. A lot was said in those few sentences. 
But we're about to finish. Next week, we will be finishing our New Year's series of greater things. In our first week, we encountered the potential of greater discoveries as we saw how, how uh, Lewis Clark and Sacagawea, and then we also saw the three wise men who ventured out into discoveries. They apparently failed in their discoveries, but they continued to persevere, and they found even greater discoveries. And we thought of that idea of us continuing in our faith life to discover greater discoveries in our spiritual life. You see, because Christianity and the Christian life is not about doing things or being at the right place at the right time or looking pretty and fine. <laughs> it's not about that. It's about our inner person. And what's happened is that because we're afraid of our inner person, then we create a falsehood of faith. You understand that? Or am I alone crazy here? You see, because uh, what matters, as Paul says here, is that we've been transformed into a new creation. Is that new creation? So the second week... Last week, we discovered better ways, the ways of Jesus, which are better ways as He came and walked in this land, and He modeled better ways of not being judgmental, but being accepting, of not being resentful, but being forgiven. We learn better ways to live in our lives for self, neighbor, and learn to treat others as others would treat us. In the class after the, the, ser after the, the service, we went deeper into the, the golden rule, and I asked the question, which corporation in America has taken the golden rule and put it on television, on commercials, this day? Do you know? The commercial is the following. It's a lady in a rainstorm, flat tire. She's on the cell phone. Thank God for cell phones. She's on the cell phone. It's pouring. She, the tire is broken. Somebody arrives, picks her up in the car. Then they both ladies arrive into this lobby. One goes behind the desk and says, let's get you checked in. And the words come up. Do unto others as you would love others to do for yourself. Marriott. Check it out. I've seen it. Marriott. And they illustrated it as the desk from the hotel went and went out. Somebody for a reservation in the middle of a rainstorm when her car was broken. Isn't that amazing? And we, the church, don't do that at all. We want to defend division and separation due to skin color or, or whatever. We find an excuse to divide ourselves amongst. The church of Christ does that. But we have learned different. Today, I would like to explore the idea of a potential that we have as children of God and how we can be co-creators with God. What? Well, potential. The word potential means the following. Having and or showing the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. Now, notice the definition doesn't say into something better or good in the future. Because it could go one way or the other in, in the real world. 
So potential is having or showing the, the capacity to become or develop into something in the future. The capacity to become. The capacity to create something else in the future different than our present. The best way that I can illustrate this, and, and, and I sat down as I'm writing this, and I get up and I walk through the house, and I go in the kitchen, and I start finagling with things that I'm not supposed to be finagling because I'm eating. And suddenly the word says, it's like a seed. Of course, simple. It's like a seed. A seed has potential. But that seed has no future if it stays barn, if it stays in our pockets, if it stays in the little envelope where it came, has no future. So that potential is paralyzed. That potential is stopped. That potential is frozen because nothing is happening. What needs to happen, a seed has potential only if it's planted, number one. Number two, only if it's nurtured and cared for and paid attention to. So Christ and God has planted that potential in every one of us. It's called Christ in us. That potential is there. Now, Paul in 2 Corinthians goes ahead and says and, and compares the idea of co-creators. When I'm talking about co-creators, no, we are not co-creators with the universe. We are not co-creators of, of uh, well... We have been able to create some hybrids. For example, how many of you know in the Caribbean we play with that? Because it grows, things grow there anyway. So we play with that and we combine orange with a grapefruit. And it's called a chironja combination of both words. We have been able to combine guava with mango, oh my gosh, the texture is sweet and it's delicious. So, yeah, we can co-create in that sense. When we take neighborhoods, just the one down by where Doris Kidney lives, and there were woods there, and I heard stories of our neighborhood kids who used to go in those woods and do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, just being curious and being kids. And now they go back to that place. And, I think it was around here where we did that bonfire that time. There's now a house. So the landscape has been recreated for whatever reason. Okay? So in that sense, we are co-creators with God. But we can be co-creators for good things. Or if we're driven and, and, and by God, then we are co-creators for spiritual things. And Paul says the following, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Meaning, to see the potential of creation in our new life is a life of peace and not a life of chaos. A life of peace and not a life of disorganization. A life of forgiveness and then a life of resentment. A life to create, to love others, to serve others as Christ served. To build bridges with others as Christ did. To live the life of restoration and hope as Christ taught. To life, a life of healing like others. How many of you know that as a disciple of Jesus Christ... You are also an agent of healing. 
she understands. Shirley understands that because Shirley has been trained in the counseling field like I have. So we, that's very natural for us to think that way. Because healing, we don't only conscribe it to the physical healing, which many of us have never experienced praying for somebody healing. I, I've had that experience. But. but the idea is that a smile to somebody who's having a bad day could bring a smile in their face. A song that you were sang when you were a child, now you can sing it to somebody else now. And it will bring soothness to their spirit. Just listening on the phone, when you don't want to listen on the phone, and yet you say, tell me more, tell me more. And that's good because that's healing. So we are agents of healing like Christ was. We are agents of creation. We are agents of nurturing one another. We are agents to care for one another. But not so much for physical stuff which is there, but for our spirituality. So if we, have a, if we are co-creators with God and God has given us a new life, our responsibility is then to allow God to form who in us? More of Edwin? Are you going to become Edwinists? I'll be running away. Or I'll take a Kool-Aid. All of you home, I'll take a Kool-Aid and we'll all go on that flight. <laughs> Allowing God to form in us the image of Christ, the compassion of Christ, the hope that Christ offers, the faith that Christ inspires. So if there is a new life, then our life begins to change and there then needs to be a new mission. Don't you think so? Because if our life begins to change in the image of Christ, then our likings, our priorities, our tendencies would also begin to change in the image of Christ, towards Christ things. So you begin to see Christ in you. The purpose changes and they are recreated. When we thought money was it, now we know it's not it. When we thought stuff was it, now we know it's not it. When we thought that exclusivity was it, now we know that inclusion really is it. When we thought that uh, homogeneous, all alike and looking and uniform the same way, now we know by the first reading that God created everything of all sorts. Can you imagine if God would have created only parrots? How light and uncomfortable this world would be? How much gossip they would be around because those things repeat? No. He also made the cardinal. He also made the finch. So, all sorts, so diversity was in the heart of Christ, of God, who's creator of all. Diversity was there from the beginning. We just find ways to hate others. When we want to hoard and not share, now we're willing to share. When we were afraid of what if, now we feel emboldened by God and deal with it. When we were lost, now we see the light of Christ. Remember Peter, who Paul was chastising a little bit on his philosophy and his emphasis? He eventually saw the light. And we see it in Scripture because he writes this, For you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. The King James uses a, a different term. 
He, the King James uses a peculiar people. And today peculiar doesn't seem to be too nice. A peculiar people, weirdos, yeah. A holy nation, God's very own possession. So that we can then forget about everything else, everybody else, and live for me, myself, and I. Is that in your Bible? Probably not because I just made it up. So we are chosen, holy, royal priests, holy nation, God's very own possession as a result so that then you can show others the goodness of God for he has called you from darkness into this marvelous light. So then we are then called to create not only a new life, not only a new mission, but finally a new community. Notice the text, as a result to show the goodness of God to demonstrate, to promote, to talk up, to shine the light of God. So, if this goes on, and this potential is developed in every one of our lives, and we adopt the idea that we are co-creators of a kingdom with God, then we have a new community. Not a community that is institutional, but rather spiritual. That's not materialistic, but rather inspiring. That's not consumeristic, but giving. That has identified and move away from the domesticated church club. Instead of a community of judges, we become a community of love. Instead of a community of exclusivity, us versus them, it's a community of us all. Instead of a community of selfish goals, it's a community of sharing and discovering what God's goals are. Instead of a community of whitewashers, hypocrites, and pretentious people, we're a community of transparency and authenticity. John writes it this way, but if we're living in the light, if we're living in the light, I have four lights shining on me somehow, and they're shining in white. They change colors once in a while, and it's very interesting. Everything changes here, but if we walk in the light now, how can you see the light? You see the light where it begins. Do you see the light when it's hitting me? Only if I would have been permission to use the fog machine, <laughs> then you could have seen the beam of light coming down. But typically, light is what? Transparent, right? Totally transparent. So if we walk in the light, as Jesus walks in the light, if we are transparent with one another, then, look at this, we have true fellowship. That's the key. True fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His sons, cleanses us from all sin. When I begin to see you transparent and see your sin and see your quirkiness and see your evil side, your dark side, grace covers it. And grace says, come on in. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot prevail against it. So in finishing, may God's peace and mercy be upon all who live by these principles. Because you are the new creation, new people of God. Amen? Let us pray. Dear God, we thank you that you have chosen not to change us without any reason, but to change us into the image of Christ. For Christ is all in all. Thank you for that privilege. Thank you for that blessing. We ask you to, to bless those members of our congregation who are sick, who are ill at home or at hospital, 
We pray for Lottie, who's at Emory. We pray for Shirley, who's at PV. And we pray for so many others. We pray for those who are traveling and those who are also away because they're celebrating with family. We thank you for their lives and their dedication. We pray for this community, for our entire community, oh God, teachers, business, medical staff, retirees, students, parents, single parents, families going through stress, we pray for them. But above all, we pray for him who you want for, we pray for your power to become real in our lives as we allow you to shape Jesus in our lives, in our thinking, our attitudes, our ways. And thank you for teaching us to say and pray together, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Deliver us from from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.